Solano Ciucciamelo un po' Qui stai stancando da un po' Solano Ciucciamelo un po' Ti prego Solano E eh, non c'è il cazzo, sei un bullo Dal quartiere malfamato Soltanto da pallotta tu Vieni amato, gli fai le interviste, mandandogli un whatsapp, nessuno te se cura e te ne devi andare. La Roma non ti caga, perché non sei capitolino, ma solamente uno sforzo vicentino, che sta in provincia a rubare lo stipendio, il tuo lavoro vero è rompermi le palle, sì, lui uno stadio lo vuo, ma la raggi, 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 ha detto no, sì, lui uno stadio lo vuo. Ma la raggi, 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 ha detto no Sì, lui uno stadio lo vuo Ma la raggi, 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 ha detto no Sì, lui uno stadio lo vuo Ma la raggi, 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 ha detto no Hello everybody and welcome back to another edition of the Roma Press Podcast. I hope you're all doing very, very well. And a big thank you to uh, Mr. Marco Violi for the <laughs> absolutely sensational number that he put together in my honor. Uh, Marco, un abbraccio a te. So thank you so much for that. I, I, In terms of hits, I don't know where this one ranks, but in terms That's of... That's straight up rap classic, man. In ter- well, I'm just glad. I'm just glad. Good friend of the podcast, uh, Logic Seal, as Marco likes to refer to him as. Uh, I'm just glad that Marco made a better song for me than he did to our dear friend Logic. So thank you, Marco, for that. I love the song. I hope everybody else appreciated it, too. Um, what I didn't appreciate, though, Andy, uh, Roma won, Mönchengladbach won. Uh, I didn't appreciate the referee awarding a the clearest of all clear headed balls, awarding it as a penalty in the dying seconds of the match and costing Roma three points. I know you were very angry about it because I even offered, uh, I sent you a direct message and I yeah. said, hey, <laughs> listen, if you want to do another rant, please do not, do not let me uh, be the one holding you back. So I know you're very angry about this. So let 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 it fly. What do you have to say? I uh, first of all never trust the Scotsman. Never. Oh boy. I've, I I am uh, to all the Scottish listeners it's it's uh, this is personal. I've lived in Scotland, wasn't fun. Never trust the Scotsman, especially when it comes to football, especially when it comes to football. And last night it was proof of that uh I I you know it, <laughs> He's joking, is, by the okay. way. I trust all Scotsmen. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking, guys. I'm just. I just have something in my stomach after yesterday's game, and it's it's really hard to digest. Um, and it's you know I don't even know how we can talk about this because I I think I'm just gonna say first of all what I said on Twitter is that after last night's game, I still cannot understand how most people can make a judgment about this team, whether it is good or bad, because this team right now has had everything going against them, everything from refereeing displays to uh, injuries to some results that didn't reflect the performances to the fucking weather conditions. Yesterday, it it seemed like we were in a blizzard uh, in, in fucking Alaska, 
and it was the Olympico. And apparently today, if I'm not mistaken, it was like 25 degrees. So what's up with that? And to me, this team right now is going through such a rough patch that they cannot put together a, 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 a consistent string of games. And, you know, you can see the frustration in the players. You can see the frustration in the coach who says, we cannot go on like this. And uh, the, the, the locker room was devastated. Um, and, and, you know, rightly so, because you did everything right. To me, this game was was the opposite than Sampdoria. Sampdoria was, was a tricky game. It was ugly to watch. This game, you had it in your hand. This game, you, you had full control of this game. And, and to 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 the fact that uh, you okay you you couldn't capitalize you couldn't score another one that's fine that's part of the game right you miss chances that's what happens and but but the fact that you you let somebody control the game for you in the final minutes and change the whole outcome is to me is ridiculous and the fact that the Europa League which is not some fucking third league in Kazakhstan uh, the fact that they don't have a VAR put in place is outrageous. I completely agree, and I was really hoping that they would pull out the three points because I think above all, I, I mean, standings, uh, Europa League table aside, I think the thing that they needed above all was a morale boost. And I think that's what a victory could have provided them. And I was, I, I have to say, I was I was very, very uh, downtrodden because, again, this team, as you just said, I don't think you can judge them. Um, it is so difficult to even get a pulse on what this team is because, really, everybody is hurt. Um, you have players that, as we mentioned in the previous episode, shouldn't even be playing right now. Jekyll, in all other circumstances, uh, you would want him returning at the, this weekend against Milan. Meanwhile, he had to For play sure. a full match against Mönchengladbach. He had to come on against Samp, uh, Sampdoria last right. weekend. So, uh, just from and even and even Fonseca said in the post game press conference, somebody asked him about you know Jacob's replacement right now, and he says, "I don't have any options out there besides Zaniolo playing a false nine, and that describes the situation perfectly." And on top of that, I mean, today at Trigoria, there. <laughs> Who is on trial? I mean, look at these names. Uh, Marcel Buchel and then Jack Rodwell. So it's not exactly a sensational situation right now, even from a free agent reinforcement standpoint. We said not to Google the names in the previous episode. And and they did. And apparently they did. Roma did that, and then they went to like the second or third page of available names, which... <laughs> For sure, yeah. It's not, it's not exactly <laughs> exciting. So, yeah, I, I just thought that this match against Mönchengladbach, above all, could have at least provided a morale boost going into this match against Milan because Roma are just so, in terms of injuries, I, I, I don't even know how you, how can you equate this situation and make sense of any of it because, again, you can't judge Fonseca on this, Andy. You can't, if Roma give a bad performance, I, I, I don't know what conclusions you can draw from it. Yeah, yes, and, and, you know, and the fact is that 
as some Doria, we we already said it was a bad performance. It was a bad performance. It was uh, you know tough conditions, uh, tough place to play in. We we always struggled there, and this time was no difference. It was ugly, ugly to look look at. But but this time, uh, you're playing against a really good team, a really capable team that in uh, in 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 the Bundesliga right now is on top of the table. We all know that, but. Still, this is a quality side, and and it's not like they were they were pinning you down despite all the absences, despite the fact that you had to play with Mancini in the mid in the midfield, despite the fact that you had to rely on Pastore for sixty minutes. Um, you you know you, despite all of that, despite that your substitutes again are Florenzi and Antonucci. Um, the, 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 despite that, this was still a game where Roma were in control of, and Roma dictated the tempo. They did not allow chances. They 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 looked like they believed they could get away with a result, and they were doing so just fine. And and you know, I am always uh, ready for a Purgino because that's in my blood as a Roma fan. But this time, there was something different. I thought, you know what? If they, maybe they can do, actually do it, you know, in this in these terrible conditions with all these injuries to pull off a result like this in the Europa League and make a statement, get three points, and really, I mean, almost put the uh, uh, going through on lock. Um, it's and then have it taken away from you, not by some stupid mistake uh, by a certain player. No, it was just it, it wasn't like uh, Smalling made a mistake, you know, was clumsy or something. He just got the ball with his face. Um that that's that's all that happened. And and in in that split second, uh the game was decided. Do I think that this has does this really risk them not progressing? No, I don't think so. This does put them at risk for finishing perhaps at the top of the table, right? Or do you are you still not worried about that? No, I'm I'm certainly worried because um listen, looking at the the schedule uh, looking at the fact that we still need to play away at, um, at, at mentioned Gladbach and and, uh, and in Turkey in Istanbul, man, uh, mm. those are those are tough, tough, tough away games. I completely agree. So then, in terms of before we move on, in terms of the match at the weekend against Milan, are you feeling any better about the uh, about the chances of Roma after that match in the Europa League, or are you feeling less confident? Well, heads may drop a little bit, and then you know you go into this game and you see the face of uh, fucking uh, Orsato. And uh, oh, and, I was uh, I was going to bring see, that up. You see, you see all those boys. I mean, if you look at it, seems like it's a gangster squad this weekend. It seems like it's it, it, you know it, nowadays you you hear those names of Italian referees and it seems like you're you're facing like a mob organization. They're so notorious. It's like hey, we got Lucky Luciano being the ref, and <laughs> hey, we got <laughs> we got uh, Gambino in the booth with the VAR. I mean, uh, it's crazy to me that uh, that this you know you go from from one game where you just had your your three points taken away from a ref. Uh, um, you go into this game with arguably one of the worst, most most inconsistent referees in Italy. With um, you know, uh, I don't see. I I really I'm, I try to stay positive, and I think that if they play ho- as hard as they did against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, 
um, they they can get a result against this Milan side. Um, but again, there is that referee factor. There is again this injury factor. The fact that you know you 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 have such a limited bench, and uh, I, I told you Santon would be the next one to go, and he's the next one to go. And apparently, it's not even a flu anymore. It's a problem with a muscle. So. You know, you 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 have such limited options, and Mikatarian still not available. Under, maybe he gets called up, but doesn't mean he will play at all. So, it, this Milan side is horrendous, but but you never know right now. It's just so difficult to draw any sort of conclusions about this team and and know what to expect because it almost feels like on these podcasts within the last two weeks. It's almost a daily basis in you and I assessing who is available, who isn't available, who's injured now. And it's gotten to the point where, again, you look at it from our perspective, but look at it from the perspective of Fonseca. I mean, this poor guy doesn't even know who he's going to have available uh, on a weekly basis anymore. So, again, I, I, I genuinely, I genuinely sympathize with him because it's a it's a very, very incredibly difficult situation. Um Real quick, because there are a couple of other talking points off the pitch that I think we can discuss. Uh, Fabio Capello, what did you make of what he had to say about Nicolo Zaniolo? Uh, for anybody who missed it, after Inter's uh, victory over Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League, Capello, he's a, he's a pundit on Sky Sport. He was talking to uh, Sebastiano Esposito. He was getting interviewed, and Capello made this remark that said, don't follow in the footsteps of Zaniolo. I didn't really know what to make of that. Obviously, extremely disrespectful. But what did you make of it? Because my my view on Capello is maybe a little different than everybody else's. Obviously, I, 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 I thank him for what he did at Roma, but... He's really turned into this grouchy old guy. I, it's difficult for me to even take anything he says serious anymore. But there were some people who really got quite offended by this, and I don't well, blame them. Offended is—I think it's a big word. It's um, as you said. I mean, to me, uh, Capello has become uh, just a, a boring, annoying uh, TV personality um, who honestly doesn't even have anything remotely interesting to say, despite despite his really no. rich career and no. experience and whatever the fuck. But uh, yeah, he sucks on TV. By the way, I he, have to say that he's, he's terrible. Horrible. He's terrible. And and the fact is, why did he say that? Because uh, to me, it's it's very interesting to compare how you know Roma fans from other places in the world uh, see what happens, you know, in Italy, and so. In Italy, right now, with Zagnolo, there is a narrative. And, and you know, this is, as in any other country, you love to build narratives in the media, and especially in sports. And with Zagnolo, there was a narrative from day one. The narrative was uh, the, the young boy with a mom who wouldn't shut up on social media, you know, a, a, a young guy who plays a, a, a Champions League game at the age of 19 against Real Madrid, and all of a sudden he becomes the star. And after a few games, he becomes the bad boy because he doesn't perform anymore. So then there are rumors. He's got a girlfriend. He goes to the clubs, you know, whatever. It's And th- this this narrative persists. And, you know, as as he, as, as Zaniolo continues to become an important player for, for Roma, he's only 20. And he's he's I I think he's already scored like eight goals for Roma or something like that eight or nine goals for Roma, um, 
you know, playing as a trequartista slash uh, mezzala slash winger, um, having numerous other players in front of him, and he still managed to somehow, you know, get in front of them and, and deliver. And, you know, the narrative persists, and somebody pointed it out. Um, this is a whole, whole completely different case, but the case of Balotelli, you know, Balotelli, he was a hothead. That, I don't think Zaniolo is a hothead like Balotelli. We haven't seen yet any episodes that would suggest that Zaniolo really is a bad boy because the guy on the pitch is usually a, a very active and and, and just a, um, a passionate player who sometimes gets one yellow card too many, but... It's nothing compared to what Balotelli was doing at his age. But with Balotelli, that narrative of the bad boy, of, you know, of, of, of this controversial guy persisted. And that's why he, uh, he didn't want to go back to Italy for such a long time. With Zaniolo, it's scary because the guy hasn't done anything wrong. And it, it, it's out there. And I, so I don't see... I don't see why Capello would say such a thing to to Esposito. And I don't. I feel for the poor little fellow who needed to an, give an answer. And I think he he said something like, "Oh no, don't worry." But you could clearly see him uh, nervous, and the whole studio was a bit awkward after that, uncomfortable. It was just not necessary, and. It just proves again that in Italy, at least, we prefer the narrative to the sport. Um, and and it, to me, that's that's the, the probably the saddest part about football right now in Italy. And then also another thing I would like to ask you about our good friend uh, Fibiafora reported today that uh, Roma, Manchester United are meeting today to discuss potentially agreeing on a price for Chris Smalling who, despite having that penalty incorrectly called against him, clearly hit his head, not his arm. I think he's been one of the brightest spots for Roma this season. Um, he and Mancini have certainly developed this nice understanding between each other. I think they complement each other from from a, a profile, a characteristic standpoint very well. Would you be okay with him making this move permanent at this point? Um, I, I guess you could make the argument that maybe it's still a little too early, but what are your thoughts on it? Well, first of all, I, I you know uh, I I want to stress again, um, as we did on last episode, that this this team has has been losing pieces left and right every single week, and they haven't been able to really dominate uh, going forward. Um, they've rarely scored more than one goal recently, um, and so that's that's been the the negative side of it. But on the bright side. Um, I, I think people forget what our backline looked like uh, this time uh, mm, last season. Good point. Um, th- this backline right now, yes, you can argue, yes, they've played uh, the likes of Lecce. They played Besakshir. They still pl- they, they played uh, Atalanta. They've played uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, obviously, there is there are still quality sides to play against. They've played against Lazio. So th- this this backline is is clearly building uh, consistency and building chemistry. And yesterday, I think, was probably the best display, um, just because it was all three of them: it was uh, Fazio, um, 
Mancini uh, and Smalling, and Mancini in a bit of a of a of a of a strange position because he was basically switching from midfielder role to a central defender role when when in possession and without possession, and and so that was that's the biggest takeaway in these games that you know we can consider luckluster. They've been really good. And I just hope that they can be a starting point for the rest of the team, a, a point of rest, a reference to build upon. And it, do I think it's too early for Smalling? Listen, I, um, I think it's always a gamble, you know, with doing these sort of uh, reflections so early on in the season. But you know, what are the options right, really right. out there yeah. for Roma? Um, understand you're you're not gonna go for really anybody else. I mean, profile wise, um, I, I really I don't see. I remember this summer when we thought you know Alderweireld, Alderweireld, but then when Alderweireld faded away, what were the options? Lovren, Rugani, and Smalling, and that that that's the reality of the situation. So if if I have to choose between any other anybody else and and the smalling that I'm seeing right now, and I need to make a decision right now, um, I'll, I'll I'll definitely give smalling a go uh, because he seems like a guy who is is really wants to really redeem himself and is doing just the right things to do so and. Uh, clearly, a positive pre- pre- presence in 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 the in the in the in the defense, um, and it, you know we were afraid that Mancini, being so young and coming from a, a weird season with Atalanta with ups and downs, him and, and and Smalling they they clearly helped each other and it worked both ways. So for now, it's good. Um, I hope to see the same consistency against uh, uh, more dangerous sides such as uh, Napoli. Okay, but so you just mentioned that there's a lack of alternatives. So by by what you said, though, obviously a lot of this would depend on the price. I I couldn't even venture to guess what Roma would deem a fair. That's the problem when you're dealing with an English side. You have these overinflated prices in the Premier League um, that don't even remotely in in the city I you couldn't even remotely fathom some of the prices that are paid in England. So I, I again I couldn't even venture to guess what what these sides, what they have in their mind in terms of valuation. But I, I find it interesting because you, you mentioned about a year ago, I would say to date, the bright spot of Roma, at least right now, especially when you consider the injuries, I would say the defensive department is probably one of the few things that you could point to as a positive though, yeah? For sure. That's, I mean, that's, that's the thing. And, um, you know, at this time of, uh, of the year, even before last year, so in the first year of Di Francesco, the bright spot really was, uh, Alison. That, that, that was the bright spot and, uh, and, and color off. And meanwhile here, at least we have, you know, uh, um, a whole department and uh, this is <laughs> This is where it comes to next because usually that's what happens when you do all these talks. We arrive to the weak links, and I still think that, um, you know, with this, with this, uh, with this defense that is clearly growing in confidence, and with Kolarov, who surprisingly uh, is is doing well, you know, despite playing so much, he he's not the Kolarov that we were seeing last season. At this time, remember when we had all the those conversations, all those episodes where we're like, who was the worst one on the pitch, and would be like Kolarov, Fazio, um, 
And meanwhile, right now, Karov is doing fine. The player that I have a problem with, and I'm sorry, guys, to do it again. Uh, but Right before we left, too. I, I was going to briefly bring him up because I had people. <laughs> so, in uh, fact, thank you to the one uh, gentleman who sent me a direct message about this who says, uh, let me pull it up here. Hey, I know this will be perceived as you picking on him again, but can you just please discuss on the next podcast about how Florenzi <laughs> missed that second goal to give that would have put Roma up two to zero. Oh my god! So this is not me saying it. I, I just I, I I want to be very very clear. <laughs> I am not picking on him. I didn't even bring this up. So um, if it's you me, think it's I, me, guys. It's I'm Andrew. Sorry. Yeah. So tweeted him. Um, man, if he just buried that away, we're not even having this conversation in this podcast. Is half the time. Yeah, um, and you know, you know what's the worst thing? The worst thing is that he's not even starting, okay? He's not even starting in a game. And the moment he appears on the sideline, and I hate to say it, I hate to say it, I get worried. And I get really worried when I see him on the sideline, when I know that Florenzi is going to uh, come up there. And, and, and it shouldn't happen to with a player that is as experienced as he is, I mean, we're not talking about a 19-year-old. I can understand Antonucci, you know, basically no real experience, played a bit in the Serie B, Primavera. That That's that's basically what he did so far. Um, so you can't really count on him uh, in these matches. And it, it's, it's pretty evident that Fonseca relies on him around the 60th, 70th minute just because there are no alternatives. But but Florenzi, as a captain and as a player that has been in the league and has played so many games for Roma, I want to feel comfortable, at least, you know, to know that uh, with, with all the shit that is, is happening, with the fact that, oh, my God, Roma are, are winning, let's, let's hope they keep this result. You know, you see a, your captain and you, you the automatic uh, reaction should be, okay, we're going to get this through. You know, we're going to pull, pull pull through this and we're going to get this win because that's what happened when we used to see uh, De Rossi get off the bench or, or Totti get off the bench. Um, you know, there was always a reassurance. And with Florenzi, man, it's... And it seems like he, he's in a bad place physically, bad place mentally, can't really fit anywhere uh, so far. And... It's it's not working and it's not working again and that's what's most painful about it because I wouldn't want to be here talking about Florenzi but he's just giving us reason after reason. Yeah, I I initially didn't want to bring it up, but oh my god, if he would have just buried that, um, again, I we're not even having this conversation and you just mentioned it. He just seems I thought that simply just a change of role, not playing it right back. Putting him in the attack might make him look a bit more lively, perhaps even feel more uh, more at ease. But we're still getting the same performances at the same level. And you just mentioned it. He's coming off the bench. It's not even as if uh, he's in the starting 11. So I think it's entirely worrying. If these injuries weren't a factor, I honestly have to wonder where Florenzi where he comes into the mind of Fonseca, is he is he even a guy who makes it off the bench in certain matches? I don't know. But again, Fonseca, his hand was forced with all these injuries. So and and can uh, I? Again, I have a question really... for you. Can you remember the last time Florenzi pulled off a performance when you where you could say 
Oki is the man of the match. Like, clearly he's the man of the match. Uh, when was the last I time? I can't. No, I, I couldn't tell you. You know, I and know. I, I was thinking about it, and the only game where I, I think, oh, he was remarkable. The last one was uh, the time he scored against Milan. Remember, uh, he came back from the injury, and it was, I think, the Di Francesco's first season, and he came back, and he had a goal, and he really celebrated, um, and it looked like, oh, okay, we got we got him back, you know, we got him safe and sound. He's gonna, he's gonna okay. be an important. I, I think player. I remember that match because that was the one where Jekyll had Jekyll, the, yes, the, the, the belter, the weird belter, yes, yes, exactly, yeah. and and. That that's it, but that's that's two years ago. That's that's two years of performances where Florenzi is either a non-factor um, or is extremely detrimental. I mean, you know, can anybody forget the the the, the pull uh, against Porto when he pulled on the player? Um, that that's probably his worst moment in recent years, but he has more of those than actually good ones. And he's been starting for us ever since. That's for me, the problem is that you're giving him chances, but he's just not, he's just not delivering. And the question is, what do you do with a guy like this? Because I'm really, I'm, I'm, I really don't want to be saying this, but I'm tired of, of giving him chances. Okay. So that's where we'll leave it then. Um, not exactly another episode with a lively mood, but that's the situation we're in. Hopefully, hopefully, Roma can get the victory against Milan, and we're in a much more upbeat, excited mood after the weekend. So let's keep our fingers crossed because I'm tired of this injury yes. discussion. I'm tired of these uh, drop points discussions. So uh, that's where we will leave it. Uh, we will talk to you after the weekend after the match against Milan. So as always, and maybe so after, maybe after we've signed a, a transfer market player, ah, a free agent. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a, maybe a former did, did Rodwell, did he win the league with city? Y yes. Yes. Okay. He did. All right. Yes. So maybe we will, uh, yeah, we will sign a champion. Exactly. A proven champion, a proven champion. All right, everyone, as always, thank you so much for listening. And until next time. Ciao. Ciao.